0: Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labat Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labat USA, Buffalo, New York.
1: Welcome once again to the GM Shuffle. Tua Tonga hurt once again. What a surprise. Carson Wentz hurt once again as the Colts fall flat against the Rams. And other news involving the NFL, including a big comeback of the Tennessee Titans. But of course, we begin. With the Chiefs and the Ravens, so often, in Mike, we're used to disappointment. We're used to frustration, letdowns. This one exceeds the hype. There's something special about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens against the Chiefs. They play their best against the best, and they pull out a tremendous 36-35 to 35 win. Lamar's numbers, okay, it's misleading. 18-26, 239, one touchdown, two interceptions, but 107 yards rushing and two touchdowns with his legs. What a remarkable game.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is a perfect example of a game where a team was in the lead, but they never got control of the game. And I think it's the perfect, it's the only way you have a chance to beat the Chiefs is what the Ravens did last night. Yeah, I know Mahomes threw for 343, you know, but dare them to run the ball. You know, they only gave Hilaire the ball 13 times. He fumbled one time. Their biggest play was was on a run was Tyreek Hill's reverse for 15 yards. Dare him to run the ball. Don't let Tyree Kill make any plays down the field. Tyree Kill ends up three catches for 14 yards. Three catches for 14. So you, you, you eliminate the run. You wash the run out. You basically just try to manage Kelsey as best you can. He has seven catches for 109. Hardeman, Robinson, Pringle. None of those guys are going to really beat you consistently. They might get a score on you. But the Ravens defense give up 28. They did a nice job of rushing three, then bringing a late rusher to kind of control Mahomes in the pocket so he didn't really just get out in the perimeter and have the ability to just to launch a pass down the field. And then I think this is a, an example of a game as fans, we should always understand. And I've talked about this before. The first quarter is all about figuring out the game plan, right? The first quarter is about did we practice the right things? Is this the way the game plan is going to go? Do we need to modify anything? Do we need to change? Is this going to be a screen game, draw game? How do we want to play the game? For the Chiefs, they would have said, "Hey, look, Martindale's not Martindale today. Martindale's going to play zone. He's going to he's going to he's going to back off. He's going to keep the ball in front. He's not Don Martindale. He's not going to blitz. So they had to adjust second and third quarter. So the second part of the game is the second and the third quarter, right? This is what's going to happen. We adjusted." The fourth quarter is a standalone game. That's a standalone game. And that's where the Chiefs lost the game. They give up. They don't score in the fourth quarter. They only convert one third down in the third quarter. They only get one first down in the third quarter. And so they lose the game. They get 35 points in three quarters. They only have the ball 24 minutes. They get 35 points in three quarters. And then when the fourth quarter, when they have to make a play, they 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 get three first downs Three first downs total and only convert one third down and turn the ball over. They lose. And I love the gutsiness. I love like
1: in pro sports and gutsiness is rewarded. You know, the, the Ravens, you know, first down to seal the game. It's fourth and one, deep in their own territory. You see Harbaugh say to Jackson, you want to go for it? Yeah, let's go for it. They get the first down and the game is over, which I always, always like to see. And listen, the Ravens have had injuries, they've overcome them, they're tough minded, they have a great coach. My concern for the Chiefs, I don't want to make too much Mike of one play, but that Clyde Edwards Illair fumble, I mean, first time in his career, but kind of what you're saying: if you can't get tough yardage, if you can't get first when you need to, that's a concern to me. Like coming into this game, Mahomes was 11-0 in September in his career, 35 touchdowns and zero picks, but they're not a ground-and-pound kind of team, and that worries me sometimes. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think this is this is the only way the Chiefs now have – look, the Chiefs have been a, a, a thorn in better side for a while, right? I mean, I think they've covered two of the last 13 games. I mean, this is a game they should have easily covered. But what happens is when the chi- the Chiefs' defense, AD, is simply built on this principle, we are going to create a negative play. We're, we're completely unsound. We're going to take a zillion chances. We're never going to get balanced on defense. We're never going to sit there and say, okay, we're going to be fundamentally sound. We're going to create a negative play, get you in second and 18, and then make you punt. That's the Chiefs' principles. So when people are screaming today, can the Chiefs win with that defense? That defense has always been like that. That defense has always been. It's when they create the negative plays and they get you and dab behind is when they come up. All they're looking for is one play a series. One play. One negative play. And they're so unsound when they do it, they don't really care. And they get away with it because their offense carries them. If, you, if they don't, they, they get away with it. Their offense, when their offense doesn't score in the fourth quarter, they can't get away with it. And so I agree with you. I think, look, Harbaugh, I think there was a strong contingency in in Baltimore when they had the ball against the Raiders, and that was fourth and two before they settled for the field goal. I think a lot of people on the bench wanted to go for the wanted to go for it there. And I think Harbaugh just decided like the next time I get in that situation, I'm going for it. And that's what he did.
1: So that's the story when it comes to the Chiefs and the Ravens. Two close games, to the Chiefs so far, Harbaugh and the Ravens rewarded with their gutsiness as they outlast Kansas City. Elsewhere, this was a genuine surprise. The Seahawks, who we talked about, looked good in week one, particularly their efficiency with throwing the ball. Well, this was really undisciplined play. Ten penalties for 100 yards, and Derrick Henry is who the Titans relied on. 35 carries, 182 yards, and three touchdowns. It's not often you can say the Seattle Seahawks, the great coach and Pete Carroll, have the 30-16 to lead in the fourth quarter. But they gave up 17 unanswered, a healthy dose of Derrick Henry. It was
2: impressive, Mike, how overwhelming he was against that Seahawks run defense. Well, I mean, considering last week against Arizona, Tennessee's execution was atrocious, right? Well, this week, this week their execution, they had 40 rushing attempts. And they had 27 completions. That's 67 rushes and completions. I think your execution's much better. And, you know, Seattle all last year did a good job defending the run. But in this game, when they got Henry going, I mean, they got 532 yards. And AD, I don't know if you saw it. This game should have been over in overtime. I mean, Russell Wilson, if that's not a safety, I don't know what the hell is. I have no idea. But this game is, again, another example of if you don't score in the fourth, if you don't pay attention to that fourth quarter, if you don't get going in the fourth and you settle for field goals in the fourth, or you know they 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 scored on us. They scored right at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Seattle to go up 30-16. They missed the extra point ultimately, which cost them that extra point. They missed, it should be thirty one, and then you know it doesn't, it doesn't. Tennessee doesn't have to go for two. They can just keep kicking. That extra point really hurt them. And so when you don't score, keep scoring in the fourth. You're gonna you can't play good enough defense, and and I think ultimately that's the question. I think that's really what happens. I don't know how you know Seattle. I think they're fifty-three and zero at halftime with a double-digit lead and playing at that stadium, and yet they come out and they they can't get it done. And and you're looking around saying like, what happened? And you know, Bullock misses Bullock misses field goals. I mean, he missed a forty-four yarder wide right. But what one thing is, I think with Vrabel, I think one thing Vrabel understood is he needed to get his team back. He controlled the football. They had the ball. I mean, I know it's an overtime game. They had the ball 42 minutes and 33 seconds. I mean, Russ, you can't cook with Russ if he got, if he's not cooking, if he's not in the kitchen.
1: <laughs> and for Seattle, like you said, we talked about last week on the shuffle. Hey, 12th man. The fact that they lose at home first time in 630 days. I mean, this is the first time they're at home finally. Huge lead, so many penalties. And yet for the Titans, I'll say this. Hey, hell of a win. Credit to Mike Frabel. Julio Jones, Ryan Tannehill worked out the kinks. Six receptions, 128 yards. But their defense gave up three plays of 50 or more yards. This is going to be the story all year long unless Tennessee can fix their D.
2: Yeah, and I don't see how they fix it. I don't see how they fix it. I really don't. I mean, they're not, they can't really rush the passer. They're not great at rushing the passer. Whether that now, you know, whether they can get, you know, Bud Dupree to come back and rush like he's capable of. I mean, he was active in the game, but I'm not sure he's the same player that he was last year. It's going to take him some time. He's not healthy, but they can't really put pressure on. They don't stop the run. I mean, this is one Seattle's going to look back on. It's, and it's September. I mean, it's really, it's September. It's early, but they're going to look back back on this one and say, holy shit. And I'm going to tell you one more thing, AD. I mean, Tennessee left yards on the field. A.J. Brown didn't catch at least three passes I've seen him catch before. I mean, Julio may, and Julio's touchdown, it got overturned. Did you see that play? Like, I never, I thought that was a touchdown all the way. Like, I don't know how they they called it a touchdown on the field. I don't know what they saw to turn it.
1: I did see that and I was surprised. You're right. Because my whole thing, as you said, it's going to be conclusive and, like, whenever there's a play that could go either way, I'm like, well, let's go with the ruling was in the field. They'll stay with that. But
2: to your point, they called it a touchdown. So, I'm like, well, where's the evidence that overturn? it? I was surprised. I never saw it. I mean, and then the the safety in the end zone. I mean, I never saw. I mean, like, how did they not call that? I mean, I, I have no idea. I mean, John Hussey's sitting right there. The, the, I mean, and then they wouldn't review it. Like, how do you not review that? Well, we can't review that. What do you mean you can't review it? We're in overtime. You, you should take the game over. Just just
1: disappointing all the way around, especially if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan. And as far as starting quarterbacks were concerned, already getting their asses kicked and it's September. Andy Dalton facing his former team, he gets the win. Bears barely beat the Bengals 20-17, to but Dalton was 9-11, 56 yards, one touchdown. He's out with a knee injury. Now, apparently, Matt Nagy is saying he doesn't believe the injury is serious, but maybe it's Justin Fields' time. Six of 13, 60 yards, he did throw an interception. Bears' defense still really shut down Burrow and the Bengals. Again, the Bengals, we don't expect much of them, although Burrow obviously is a quarterback with lots of promise, did throw three interceptions. But as you and I predicted, Mike, sooner rather than later, it's going to be Justin Fields' team. And who knows, maybe by week three, it's already Justin Fields' team if Andy Dalton can't go.
2: Well, I mean, I had a saying when I worked at the Raiders, we're just a couple injuries away from having a good team. <laughs> you know, maybe the Bears are an injury away from having it. Look, I I don't know. I mean, Justin Fields was not very good throwing the football in there, and uh, you know, and, and I've just I heard the rhetoric coming out of Chicago that he's been sensational in practice. He's had wow plays in practice. I mean, look, he, he's going to run the ball. There's no doubt. He had twenty. He had, he had 10 carries for 31 yards in the game. His ability to make loose plays is fairly impressive. But, you know, I think Andy Dalton, once again, he's Mr. Completion. You know, he's going to keep trying to complete the ball down the field. He did a good job through the first touchdown pass. The Bears need to play better on defense. And this is a game that what I thought the Bears did. They actually they held the Bengals to under 250 yards. But the, the Bengals, with my man Zach Taylor, I, I, at some point, when are you going to protect Barrow? Guy got sacked four times again yesterday. Like he got sacked, he got hit. I mean, you're supposed to be the guru of offense and the quarterback's getting the shit kicked out of him. You know, how are you going to win games like that? Like, okay, you know, you think you have an offensive line that can block anybody? It's really comical. Look, Chicago's got an easy decision. Just play fields, get Dalton healthy and wait and see what happens. But now's your chance, right? Now, now's your opportunity. You got to get the guy on the field. All these young quarterbacks, with the exception of Mac Jones, all of them have struggled.
1: Just proves just how hard it is to hit the ground running, especially as a young quarterback. We'll talk about more quarterbacks hit with injuries on Sunday, plus right there what it could mean for each team, and not many records that Tom Brady hasn't broken, but he's one step closer to another. We'll tell you about that next in the GM Shuffle.
0: All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So driver is a breakthrough in driver technology it's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before black op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10000 plus for unreal forgiveness that's just ridiculously high so what you got to do go check out the pxg black ops driver you'll be as impressed with it as i am learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code GM Shuffle at checkout that's pxg.com slash gmshuffle code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment pxg.com slash gmshuffle code GM Shuffle.
1: Well, the Indianapolis Colts hung tough against the Rams. I was impressed. I thought the Rams would win. They did, but it was a close game. 27-24. to Cooper Cup was terrific. Nine catches, 163 yards and two touchdowns. Stafford goes 19 of 30 for 278 and two scores. But Carson Wentz unfortunately hurt once again. Left in the fourth with an apparent ankle injury. Trying to scramble, gets taken down by Aaron Donald, gets twisted badly. He said afterwards, I've sprained my ankle probably a hundred times since I was a kid. This one I just couldn't play on. So his injury history, a quick recap. 2016 fractured rib, 2017 torn ACL, 2018 fractured back vertebrae, and last year a concussion. This preseason, a foot injury. Mike, here we go again. The song remains the same.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I I defended Wentz here in Philadelphia. I really did. I thought the 17th season left me really feeling like he was a good player. But I've watched these two Colt games closely. And he does some really dumb things. For a smart guy, he plays dumb. And he costs his team some chances. I mean, trying to make a play when he can't make a play, not taking the profits when he can take the profits. I mean, you know, I I, I don't, if I, I'm at the point with Wentz where I, I don't, I, I'm right about ready to pull the pin on the guy. I really am. The guy gets hurt all the time. He, he doesn't, he's not reliable. He's not dependable. I mean, I think dependability in terms of his injury history and his play on the field, he's just not dependable. And, you know, he, he gets himself hurt in that game. Look, if it isn't for the horrendous snap on the punt, this game shouldn't have been as close as it was. I put out there, I mean, I had Indianapolis on one of my plays on Twitter on Sunday morning, and, and fortunate that we got three and a half and, and, it, and it won for the people that bet it. But, you know, I mean, I watch this Colt team, and, and I just don't feel it with Wentz. I feel like he's undependable. He kind of locks in on guys. You know, and Reich, for some reason, Reich has decided that he doesn't like three points. Like, he just doesn't like three points. And he keeps going for it down in the red. I mean, he's one for four again in the red zone here. One for four. He's one for three on goal to go. He's got a team with a good running back. He's supposed to have a good team. And he's one for three in goal to go. And he's one for four. And he keeps going for it on fourth down. Like, you know, and he's once again, he's 0 for 1 on fourth down. I mean, it was Buffalo game last year. Like, I, I mean... It's amazing we've now gone into the league in the NFL where we're no longer second-guessing coaches for going for it on fourth down. We embrace it, and it's okay. And when it doesn't work, it's okay. It's like, fine. Like, what's wrong with three points? What's wrong with it? I mean, like, you're sitting there. You know it's going to be a field goal game. Why not take them? Yeah,
1: these coaches, I guess they're just aggressive. Maybe they look at certain numbers, analytics. Say if you're rewarded by going for it on fourth down, but it is frustrating if you're leaving points out there. Well, I think this ad.
2: Here's what I think. I think these this analytics is you have to tie the game into the analytics. Like I was talking to 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 coach that interviewed with the with the Eagles, and the Eagles, you know, believe strongly in analytics, and they and they were out there saying, well, you know. You've got to be able, well, you know, the best formation to throw the football out of is eleven personnel, and you should be in eleven all the time. Because, well, time out. If I'm in eleven and I got a shitty right tackle, and I got TJ Watt over there, am I am I going to be able to throw the ball out of eleven? I mean, if I got Villanueva over at right tackle against Max Crosby, can I throw it out of eleven? Like, I think analytics. I, I I don't dismiss analytics. I'm not I'm not an analytical nerd. I don't dismiss it. But I think you have to look at it. like let's just take Frank Wright's situation. I mean he's putting the he's putting the burden on on he's putting the burden on the quarterback to make a play. You know he's got fourth and one opening drive of the game. he takes the ball all the way down. He's got a third and one from his own one. He's got first and goal from the one. okay? He's got second and goal from the one. Taylor up the middle, Taylor up the middle. Taylor up the middle. Now we're fourth and goal. And, 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 and he decides to throw it and he gets sacked. Like you, you had three runs, you had three runs, you had two runs that gained nothing and you couldn't get it in. And now you're on know, fourth and one, you're down there. I mean, you had this beautiful opening drive and then what happens? You give the ball back to them. You say, well, you know, they're in bad field position. They can't do anything with it. Oh no, they went, they went fucking 90 yards in four minutes and five, 55 seconds. They scored. Now you're down again. I mean, at some point you got to feel the game, right? Don't you have to feel the flow of the game and see how it's going? And and I just think to me, sometimes these coaches, they make these decisions and they make them just strictly on, you know, I'm going to go for it no matter what.
1: Yeah, context matters no matter what. And back to Wentz, I'm a little surprised, Mike, you've seen enough. Because you and I both said, listen, I think he'll bounce back with the Colts. If he ever has a chance of success, this is who it is with. Because Frank Reich and him have a relationship. But have you've seen enough that you don't think he can get back to being, forget about an elite quarterback, but a good starting quarterback. You've seen enough
2: now. Yeah, I mean, I what bothers me is, when is he going to stop making dumb plays? Like, like, okay, let's take Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold in two games has done a really good job. And he made a dumb play yesterday. He was old Sam Darnold on a play. But for the most part, Matt Rule and Joe Brady and the offensive staff of Carolina have done a good job of eliminating the bad plays. And, and when does when's this going to happen with Wentz? Like, when is he going to not, you know, he's trying to flick the ball away, like do something. It's like Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes gives him an interception on just a stupid play. You know, like, stop trying to be a video player. Just take the loss. I just, sometimes I think you could outcoach coach them and, and you just you end up chasing it.
1: Yeah, who knows? Maybe they'll pick up the phone and call Cam Newton if, if the injury is serious right now for the Colts. Because with Wentz... You can never be too safe. His backup used to be Jacoby Brissett. Speaking of, the Dolphins, another injury-prone quarterback. Tua Tungavailoa takes a hit to the ribs, had to be carted off the field. This was just the second drive of the game. So Jacoby Brissett had to come in. He was okay, 24-40, 169, no touchdowns through a pick. Said Brian Flores, we have to regroup. We talk about kind of a next-man-up mentality. Jacoby had to go in the game. It's a team effort. The x-rays onto his ribs came back negative, further evaluated this week. But the loss was the second worst shutout loss for the Dolphins at home. In a game the Bills felt they had to have, Josh Allen quiet again, but 143 yards, three touchdowns on the ground. For the Dolphins, if you're Steven Ross, this is an embarrassing loss. I mean, 35 to
2: nothing. And now, Mike, you know what? Everyone's going to say, oh, now they're going to start burning up the phone to get Deshaun Watson. Well, I mean, Tua's was in the game the little bit. He threw four passes. He was sacked twice on four passes. I mean, and he got hurt. You know, he got hurt. I mean, the Bills' defensive line. I mean, this Miami offensive line is is horrible. You know, and and they're fortunate that they beat New England. Like they were not impressive. I thought they would play much better at home. I picked them on my on my pick on Twitter to win. Uh, to, because I thought, you know, the home dog, I thought it'd be a three-point game. And I think they would win. Maybe not, but I thought that would be a field goal type game and you get three and a half. But they played horrible. I mean, Buffalo did whatever they wanted to do. And I g- give Brian Dayball credit. Buffalo ran the football. You know, they kind of made some big plays in the running game. They took the ball and they took, I mean, Josh Allen didn't have a sensational, typical Josh Allen day. You know, he's, he's 17 for 33 for a buck 70. That's not going to lose the game. But when you turn the ball over as much as Miami did and you make mistakes and you can't protect, you know, and and you can't, you know, the, you, you can't really play good enough in the red zone. I mean, here's a perfect example. Buffalo doesn't get a lot of yards What they have 314 for the game. They're 4 for 4 in the red zone. At the end of the day, it comes down to what you do in the red zone. I think we learned that with Kansas City yesterday. We learned it with all these teams.
1: Bad loss for Miami. There's no question about that. But it is only one loss for the Bills, a game that they had to have after they didn't look that great in week one. Josh Allen so far, a little underwhelming out of the gate. Meantime, the Browns and the Texans, a strong outing by Baker Mayfield after he suffered an injury early in the game. Second quarter, threw a pick, and while making the tackle, popped his shoulder out of socket. Returned right after, though, so he is tough. Completed his next 10 passes, threw a touchdown pass, ran for another. Said Miles Garrett, he's like Brett Favre 2.0. He just lets stuff roll off his back. He doesn't let the last play affect him, good or bad, just rolls to the punches. For the Texans, Tyra Taylor looked very good to start the game left just before halftime after injuring his hamstring. Good stuff here from the Browns, because at one point, Mike, watching Red Zone, I go, are they really going to lose at home to the Texans? But I give credit to the Cleveland. They were able to write the ship. Mayfield only had two incompletions out of 21 pass attempts.
2: I mean, how about Nick Chubb? He's got 11 carries for 95 yards in the game. I mean, that's has I mean, the guy's amazing, right? And look Baker only throws two incomplete passes as you said you know he didn't make a he didn't make any really big plays down the field as long as passes 33 I thought they were efficient they did exactly what you have to do when you're playing against a team that you know you can beat you know you don't make a mistake you let them make mistakes you don't have penalties you cut down on that you let them lose the game you control the ball 35 minutes I mean it's the perfect game and, and you know Baker's a tough kid I mean look I thought he I thought he separated his shoulder on the tackle I thought he was out. I really did. I thought he was gone. Came back and made the plays he had to make in the game. And, and the Browns proved that they're a good team. They didn't cover the spread. They proved they're a good team. And they go on for another day. Look, I I, I think just looking at, the, looking at the North in two games, I, I think the Browns might be the best team. I mean, look, the Ravens are going to be better. I don't know how good they are on defense because I think their corner situation is problematic. And Pittsburgh, to me, you know, we haven't talked about him yet, but I thought Big Ben looked like he was all of 50 yesterday.
1: Uh, I like the Ravens right now, but I hear you about Cleveland. They do have a good defense, and Baker did show me something, especially with that toughness. Hasn't made huge plays, 40-49 of his first two games. A quick thought on the Texans. Again, Tyrod Taylor, He's if he's out for extended time, what happens to Sean Watson? The NFL still hasn't taken a stance yet. Any idea what's going to happen there? Are we still just waiting for them to, you know, do process, investigate this further?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I mean— Nick's gonna get, I would suspect that Houston's gonna get offers. I mean, as we get closer, I mean, he's got his car parked in the garage. He's not driving it, you know. But I don't know how anybody can trade for him until they know what to do. You know, what what's the gonna be the ruling? I mean, this is a part of this is, you know, the the process of the system. And, you know, they don't want to put him on the field and then he's out there, and then people say, Well, you know, he's out there and you know, and and, and then he gets and then he then the civil suits come in the, the other way, and all of a sudden, how could you play him when he was, you know. I think they're doing the right thing. But you got to believe somebody's going to be calling. And I I certainly suspect Miami's going to be calling because I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what the national media says. I don't care, you know, what any of these quarterback gurus say. Miami knows they need a quarterback. They know it. The secrets at this point. And like you said, the
1: stories were that Stephen Ross, the owner, was pushing to get him anyway. So I'm sure that will only intensify, especially after Tua's performance and his subsequent injury. Coming up. Two rookie quarterbacks facing off against each other. One had one of the worst starts to a game in NFL history. Plus the weekly awards next.
0: Gambling problem, call one 800 gambler or in West Virginia. Visit www1800 gamblernet In New York, call 8778-Hope and Y or text Hope NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire when 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Patriots and the Jets. Yikes, if you're a
1: Jets fan. Zach Wilson was picked off in his first two pass attempts. All right, that happens. But that's four interceptions in his first 10 attempts. Like 40% of the time, this guy's getting picked off. In the third quarter, he had as many completions as he did interceptions. He's the first player since at least 1991. We're talking 30 years when JFK came out back in 91 to throw picks on his first two pass attempts in a game. A quarterback rating at 8.6. I don't mean to just crush one guy, Mike. I know the Jets are a bad team. I know he's a rookie quarterback, but Jets head coach Robert Sala said he was off a bit. It's okay to play a boring game of football. He's an electric dude, but sometimes it's okay to be boring. You can't get much worse than this. This was awful from
2: Zach Wilson. You know, I, I really watched that game closely, and I watched the tape this morning before I came in. And I got to say this to you, AD. I, I don't think the Jets are really a, a well-coated— I don't want to pick on the LaFleur family, but Mike, Le- Matt LaFleur's brother, Mike, the offensive coordinator. I, I don't see it. You know, they don't dress Denzel Mims for some reason. He was a healthy scratch. I mean, he's a guy that can vertically challenge on the outside. They don't dress Jameson Crowder. I mean, I listened to Salai's press conference about why he didn't play up. And, you know, it's just a bunch of rhetoric. But, of course, naturally, like most subcontractors, he says, you know, I with the assistants coaches, look, when you go with what the assistant coaches want and you're the head coach, then basically you're not a head coach, you're a manager. Like, you got to walk into the room and say, this is what I want. You know, and, and for a team, I see a team, the Jets, that... Joe Douglas, everybody loves Joe Douglas. Great general manager. Well, there's a difference between being a great scout and being a great general manager. You know, and you got to put the pieces together. I mean, the Jets run the ball with with these running backs with Michael Carter and, and and Johnson and Coleman. Like, you know, they had 31 rushing attempts for 152 yards. They're behind 20. They were behind in the game most of the game. You know, and, and I think that Wilson's inability to get protection, they they had no juice on the outside. I mean, Mims can run. I think the Jets are poorly coached on offense. I really do. I thought in week one, it was bad. I think in week two, it's even worse. I think anytime they're going to go against a good coordinator, I think Zach Wilson's going to get this week. They got Denver. Fangio's going to make it worse than Belichick did. I mean, just look what he did with Trevor Lawrence down in Jacksonville. It's just hard. You know, and the Jets, they play hard. They play fast on defense. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, this should even have been a close game. I mean, Mac Jones has got Smith, the tight end, coming across on a really well-designed executing play on third and 14. If Smith catches that, he's in the end zone, and it's all—it's Katie by the door. But, you know, he drops it, and the, and the game's a little closer than it should be. But this is a game that was never in, in doubt. You know, and then you watch Sam Darnold play really down there. Did they get better? We're going to find this out. Did they get better or could they have managed Darnold? I think that's the question Jeff fans have to answer. Had they kept Darnold, would you have gotten better? I like Zach Wilson. He's going to get better. There's no doubt. But the two rookie quarterbacks on that field yesterday, Mac Jones was a better player.
1: Yeah, both top draft picks at quarterback, and Mac Jones looks solid again. You can see why New England feels excited about what they have there. 22-30 for 186, and as you said, it could have been a touchdown. Falcons the Buccaneers. Well, Tom Brady add the accolades. He now has 35 career games of four or more touchdown passes, tying him for second all-time with Peyton Manning. Drew Brees tops the list with 37. Like, you don't often think of electrifying with Brady. You think of, obviously, clutch and the ultimate winner and steady and smart. But, like, the numbers are just eye-popping. They put up 48. Now, I know the Falcons' defense sucks. The Eagles crushed the Falcons' defense in week one. Let's be clear. But the Bucs put up 48. Brady goes 24-36 for 276 and five touchdowns, 79 points in their first two games. We're looking at a potential juggernaut here with the Bucs' offense.
2: I mean, it's really good. I I thought Fournette was really good. Fournette made a couple of plays in the the passing game that were outstanding. I mean, Bruce Arians wasn't happy at all after the game. I mean, his quotes and comments, I mean, they were not good on third down. You know, and defensively, really, the game got away from them in the fourth quarter. Atlanta controlled the football most of the game. They just turned the ball over and they gave up points. They gave up 20 points in the fourth quarter. If you took Atlanta and and the third 12 and a half that was coming out, you're, you're feeling pretty good going in the fourth. But you get outscored 20 to nothing in the fourth and you lose the game. This would be a great game this week. Tampa's got to go on the road. Tampa's defenses, much like Kansas City, they're showing some problems. And a lot of it is in the back end of their defense. If they can't get pressure, if they can't dominate up front, you can attack their secondary. You can attack their coverages. You can attack it. Like most all teams. I mean, that's really what what it is. And right now, Tampa's not quite there. But the weapons that Brady has offensively, whether it's Gronk, whether it's Antonio Brown, are pretty impressive. I mean, they're a nightmare for most teams. It's going to be a challenging game to handle it. I mean, Mike Evans led the team in receptions yesterday, but all of them. I mean, all of them. Antonio Brown only had one catch, and he was good. In week one, I think he had 100 yards in catching. So Brady's got the weapons he wants, and he's so good at the line. Look, let's make no mistake about this. This is Brady's offense. He's running it. It's You see all the New England plays are all full force, which are the Brady plays that he likes to run and it was pretty impressive.
1: Also impressive when you look at 2-0 teams right now. 49ers, okay, they win ugly against the Eagles 17 to 11. They're coming off of obviously a tough season to go, hurt by injuries. But if I said you a 2-0 team, and I know it's only two wins, but the Raiders are now 2-0. They beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh 26 to 17. You alluded to Pittsburgh earlier and the fact that you got some concerns there. Carr again, strong, 20 to 37, 382 for two touchdowns. Sam throwing the deep ball. Gruden said, I've been singing Derek Carr's praises for a long time now. I hope now he gets the recognition he deserves. The surprise 2-0 team to start, I'll
2: go with the Raiders after they rough up the Steelers on the road. I mean, they dominated this game and, and they controlled it from start to finish. They were the better team on the day, and, and they were impressive. I mean, look, Carth you know, when Carr can can sit back there and make the throws and it's a seven-on-seven seven game, he's good. You know, he's got 382 yards. He hits rugs on a big 61-yard touchdown pass. And we, he kind of did to the Steelers what we, thought, what we thought Josh Allen would do, which is attack them down the field, take advantage. T.J. Watt gets hurt in the game. I think that really affected them. The Steelers offensively, they're nowhere near where they need to be. You know, they're nowhere near. They were not good week one. I don't think they were much better in week two. You know, Big Ben doesn't move very well. And I mean, it's really hard to really get them down to his biggest play of the game. He throws a 52 yards up the field to Claypool. But other than that, I mean, it's hard for them to get it down the field and then converting third downs become problematic for him. So especially in the second half, I. I just think to me, they have too many plays where, you know, you know, they start the game off, they give up, they start the game, they go six and out, then they come back and they hold and they're playing good defense, right? They're, they're holding the Raiders to a field goal. And then right before the half, right before the half, they give up a touchdown, I think what, what four minutes to go. And then they got to punt it back to them. So, I mean, for me, I think the Raiders are a really good story. I think they've been able to play really well. And Carr, when you protect them, it's great. Now, this week, they got Miami. They should beat Miami. They should have another. They should be 3-0. and uh,
1: And one quick thought here on the 49ers, just because I mentioned the fact they did win. But how about the fact they lost three more running backs? Elijah Mitchell, Jamichael Hasty, Trey Sermon. Ugly game against Philadelphia, but I do worry about the 49ers, just their health concerns. But I, I do think it's important, Mike, when you can win ugly like that on the road. Nice win there. But I do think after a while, the fact you're losing all these running backs, that's going to catch up to you.
2: Well, I definitely think it will. But, I mean, look, they, they did exactly what they had to do. They had 38 rushing attempts against Philadelphia, you know, and Garoppolo was really good. All those all those people that say, Garoppolo, you know, you should put Trey Lance in the game. You know, Trey Lance didn't even participate. I don't think he played in the game. Nope, didn't even play. They cut that out. You know, They stopped that. <laughs> Philly had 12 completions in the game. You're not going to win any football. I mean, high school teams have more than 12 completions. And they had chances to make some plays and they, you know, kid steps out of bounds. You know, they couldn't catch the ball. Fourth and three at the goal line. Here's another one. Beautiful. Analytics. Okay. We got to go for it. They go for it, right? They don't get it. And the 49ers take the ball and go 97 yards, 90 90 yards down the field and score to go in at halftime with the lead. I mean, that's what happens to you. You know, you're up three to nothing. Take the points. You're up six, nothing. Kickoff. But the Niners take the ball, and go down. Now they go in a halftime up seven nothing. They outscore them ten to ten to ten to 10 to, 10 to eight in the, in the in the in the fourth quarter. Look, until Hertz is their leading rusher, Ad. Until Hertz is their leading passer, that's going to be a real problem that that is going to be a real problem he had a, he had a long pass of 90 yards in one of his completions his other 11 completions were basically you know were, were for for 100 yards
1: right you got to be able to see whether or not he's a drop back passer
2: right you got to see that and and look you know when you when you take the other ones that that's not going to be good you got to be able to make some plays and, and he's got to make them from the pocket and when he ha- when he's your leading rusher that means he's not throwing the ball from the pocket
1: I know you're mentioning Carolina, how good they looked. Uh, Darnold throws for a 300 yards. Obviously, McCaffrey's presence has been key for him. He's using more play action bootlegs. But I did want to thought on New Orleans. You and I were singing their praises a week ago because of the fact they shocked the Packers and looked incredible. Winston threw five touchdown passes. But then he goes back to... Infamous Jameis rather than famous Jameis. 111 yards passing, intercepted twice, sacked four times. The Saints limited to 128 yards on offense. That's their fewest ever under coach Sean Payton. The defense had Alvin Kamara to five yards on eight carries. Now, this does go back to what we said. The Saints are going to have problems with eight assistant coaches
2: missing. But a little shocked just how bad the Saints look like the Aints. I think think this. I think that this Denver defense, I mean, this Carolina defensive front's really good. I mean, they're really good. They get after it. They play. They take the line of scrimmage. They're physical. They're not making mistakes offensively. They've got good skill players. You know, they did a good job of protecting. Their offensive line isn't great. They've done a good job protecting their offensive line. They've allowed Sam Darnold to play from in front. This is another week they go in at halftime, 17-0. I mean, so they're playing from in front. They're doing a nice job. And this is one of those games. I mean, look, the Saints, they, they haven't been home in in a month. I mean, They were due for a clunker. Now they've got to go up to New England. They'll play better in New England this week. I mean, this is just one game. I think this was kind of expected. This was a... Panthers, with Matt Rule, they needed to show that, hey, we're going to take the mother may I step up. We need to be able to compete with these guys if we're going to win the South. And they did. They did a great job. And Darnold looks like, like there's everything they need to get from the quarterback position. They're getting it from Darnold. I mean, they really are. He played well. He played under control. He made throws. He made a throw... To D.J. Moore, it was an incompletion. He put it right on D.J. Moore on third and 12. It was as good a throw as I've ever seen, you know, and, and he's taken the profits. You know, he only had 12 incompletions in the game. I thought he was sensational. He really was. And look, the Saints, you know, they had so many guys missing. I think ultimately it caught up to him and coaches, yeah, those eight coaches is a
1: lot. Panthers 2-0 first time since 2017, the most recent time they reached the playoffs. They've started 2-0 seven times in franchise history, and they've reached the playoffs in six of those seasons. So good signs certainly for them there. All right, let's do some awards right now. Who's going on the
2: lamb after week two? I think there's two teams. I think the Chiefs defense and the Bucks defense have to be concerned about about where they are right now. I think they're certainly lamb worthy. There's no doubt. But I got to think, to me, the way the games have gone the first two weeks, I I, I think the Carson Wentz injury has got to make t- t- Indianapolis worry about whether he should go on the lamb or not. I mean, because he it's problematic. I mean, he can't stay healthy. Durability. And then when he's out there, what is his his strength? What is he doing? What is his decision-making, you know? I think that's ultimately a problem. I mean, the, the, we could say every week that Jacksonville and the Jets should go on, offensively, should go on the lam, but that's not going to do us any good. Jacksonville offensively is bad. I mean, this whole Jacksonville program, I mean, I know Urban Meyer said he's going to stay there. He doesn't. I mean, I'm just watching Jacksonville. And, and if Urban Meyer isn't interested in USC, something's wrong. <laughs> like, that's wrong. Like, it, it, you know, I, I, I'm i not saying he should quit Jacksonville. I am saying. I mean, he should just go to SC. He's meant for it there. Like there's certain fits that, that fit. And, and just looking at Jacksonville's body language, looking at their team. I mean, they're not going to beat anybody this year. And this quarterback's only going to get, he's not going to improve to the level he needs to improve. If I'm if I'm Urban Meyer, I'm taking USC's job immediately.
1: It is a hell of a job. There's no question about that. I would have said on the lam to Mike McCarthy, the Cowboys late clock management. They do pull out the win against the Chargers 20 to 17. How about Zerline hitting a 56 yard field goal to bail them out?
2: I said this to Bill Berman. I thought for sure that the Cowboys were, I I mean, I like the Cowboys in the game, but I thought Zerline would bite him in the ass. (laughs) I thought he would bite him in the ass. Uh, You know, I thought he would screw it up, you know, and I thought he would make a mistake in the game. But, you know, look, he didn't do it. Mike's always going to be questionable on his game management. You know, it's always going to be that way. But, I mean, I think, you know, Dallas's best friend in this game was Tony Corrente? I mean, because he <laughs> he bailed them out a couple times when they needed it. That's pretty funny. All
1: right, uh, next up here in the awards, Fred Palermo Award. How about the best game plan of the week?
2: Well, you got to give it to Carolina, right? I mean, Carolina did a great job. They they come in there, they beat this, they they won that game against the Saints, and, and actually the score, the score's is twenty six to seven. And it wasn't even that close. I mean, and 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 look, Sean McVay did another nice job on the road. You know, I think he got his ship going. I mean, they, they're they 2-0. and They're playing better football. And then the Raiders. I mean, look, the Raiders hold the, hold the Steelers to 17 points defensively. They go in there. And I thought the Raiders were going to be tired to play in that game. I thought the emotion. When you look at Gruden going on the road, I mean, at certain times, last year was particularly when they had the big win. You know, they go back against And then they got to go play Atlanta. They played Kansas City really close. They go play Atlanta. They lose that game. Then one year, they have a big win. They go back and they lose to the Jets. So, you know, you're always worried about that. And I think they did a great job. They certainly could qualify for the Fred Palermo. And look, the Titans, I mean, here the Titans are. They scored 21 points in the second half. They stick with their game plan. They they found their identity. They Not found it, they refound their identity. They went back and found a way to win the game. And then we even talked about Kyler Murray and Mike Zimmer. But I mean, that was a great game. Mike Zimmer goes and decides to let 40 seconds run off the clock and doesn't run another play and they kick a 37-yarder that they don't make. I think that was a huge mistake. And then I think when you look at this other thing, Kyler Murray runs the ball out of bounds with 248 to go in the game. I mean, Kyler Murray was great. I mean, he was spectacular. Throws for 400 yards. I mean, he was unbelievable in the game. I mean, it's truly like chasing the roadrunner. It's beep, beep. It's all over the place. But he always makes two or three plays in the game. They're like, what the hell just happened? But you got to give Cliff Kingsbury credit. His team's 2-0. They found a way to win that game. Minnesota's 0-2. They might be a really good 0-2 team, Minnesota.
1: Yeah, I still have them as a playoff team, but you're right, 0-2 concerns me. Arizona, fantastic job out of the week. If you don't know, now you know. Last up, what do we got?
2: The Chiefs have better win with their offense. The Chiefs can't stop scoring. Like, the Chiefs have to stop playing down to the level. Once they get a lead, they got to put their foot on the gas. We know that now. We know that now. I mean, you can't, I mean, we knew it last year, but you got to be able to put your foot on the gas. And, and then I think the other thing that we we know, I think Denver's a good team. I think Teddy Bridgewater has done a good job for what they're doing. I know they've had two games where they've beaten teams. They beat the Giants and they beat the Jags. No big deal. But I think when you when Denver wins two road games and they're going to play home that home field is going to make a difference for them. So I think the Broncos are pretty good. They're going to be a team to compete with in the West.
1: All right, that's the uh, awards as far as this week is concerned. We touched on Arizona. Let's talk about them further now, though, with the mailbag. Send us your mailbag questions to Shuffle at gmail.com or feel free to send us a message on Instagram at Shuffle. This is Joel from Scottsdale, so I'm sure he's a little biased. Mike, I remember you talking with the season about Kingsbury needing to utilize Kyler Murray's arm rather than having him run as much. It looks like he listens to the pod. Can Arizona be a legit contender if he keeps this pace up? Thanks as always. Love the pod.
2: You know, I think I think for Kyler Murray, you got to keep him healthy, right? I mean, you got to keep him healthy. I think he, he can't take all the hits. He got sacked three times yesterday in the game, but I think when he's in that pocket and he's making throws and it's not and he's not you know running all the time. He had five carries for thirty-one yards, twelve-yard touchdown run. The guy is so fast. He's so fast and so athletic. I mean, you know, he's undersized like Tua's is undersized, but he's got rare speed. And he's got a rare arm. I mean, he makes throws across the field like you can't believe. And so, yeah, look, as long as they stay healthy on defense, I think he's got a great chance. And I think Kingsbury's done a really good job the first two weeks. I mean, he ran the ball 21 times yesterday. had 29 completions. So, you know, he's doing the things you got to do to win games.
1: Kingsbury, no doubt a gifted creative mind. The whole question is defensively, what Arizona can do. Obviously, in a tough division, but so far so good. As you wrap up now the pop culture minute, major news. As the Many Saints of Newark, The Sopranos prequel film is coming out October 1st in theaters on HBO Max. But Mike, I couldn't wait that long. So I ponied it up. It's 80 bucks a ticket. Me and my wife are going. 40 bucks for parking, another 100 bucks for the babysitter. Over 300 bucks. But I'm going to be in attendance for the Many Saints of Newark premiere this Wednesday at the Beacon Theater in New York City. So I'm going to see The Sopranos film 10 days before everybody else. I cannot wait for this film. I just it's going to be a remarkable achievement. I listened to David Chase on Mark Marin's podcast Uh, he was just telling stories about the film and how just agonizing it was, but he said the key for him was keeping the pace because I didn't want to make a movie that just felt like a Sopranos episode. He goes, this is a gangster movie and it's a great story about Dickie Multisante and about race and about Newark. It's under two hours, which he thought was really important to keep the audience engaged. Vera Farmiga is supposed to be amazing playing, uh, obviously, uh, Tony's mom. I, I just can't wait. So I'm going to have a review for you next week on The Shuffle. Uh, excuse, me, excuse me, next
2: episode on The Shuffle. I cannot wait. We will devote as much time as you need on The Shuffle for that one and we'll pick four. <laughs> We'll pick the th- games, but this deserves our complete attention. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this Thursday on The Shuffle, you'll get your first review of The Many Saints of Newark. And of course, everybody can watch it in theaters or on HBO Max October 1st. Also, the Emmy Awards were last night. Listen, we were watching the Chiefs and the Ravens, but very predictable. The big winners, the Queen's Gambit, uh, the Crown, and Ted Lasso. Uh, I know you're a fan of the Crown, so they, they just crushed all the awards.
2: And I- I'm a fan of Ted Lasso. I wrote a L- Ted Lasso piece for the Daily Coach and and... You know, it got great reviews. I mean, people read it, and I think people love Ted Lasso. There's a lot to like about the man. So, you know, I loved watching the show. I'm I'm excited for it. I really am. I thought it was, uh, you know, I can't wait for season two. Actually, Millie just told me today, are we going to watch season two, or am I just going to do it without you? So, obviously, I'll be watching season two.
1: (laughs) Jason because velvet suit last night. So, look forward. He won Best Actor. The show, obviously, won Best Comedy Series. So, hopefully, you and Millie will enjoy season two. GM Shuffle coming at you Thursday. Our picks... And our first thoughts in the many saints of Newark. We'll talk
2: to you in a couple days.